The reason the churches all over the world are meeting uh, extra today is because of Jesus Christ. You know, he, he's not just a, a good, smart, in, intelligent philosopher of his day. Christianity is not based on the life and teachings of Jesus. You've got that mistaken with other religions that are based on a teaching from a certain person or group or whatever. Christianity is different. Christianity is here because the Son of God rose from the dead. It's here because of a supernatural miracle that took place where a human being who never sinned was killed, buried, and rose from the dead, defeating hell in the grave. And Christianity is here because we are witnesses of his resurrection, because of the power of God. Christianity is here because of its power. And many who have received Jesus understand his power. If you hang around long enough, you'll see his power. You might see it today. I mean, it takes power to make some of you people run. You saw it already. It takes something to make you people get out of your chair. It takes, some, it takes something supernatural to make some of you cry. Some of you tough guys. Come on. Christianity is here because Jesus died for us and rose from the dead for us. And the Bible says if he didn't rise from the dead, you're, you're still in your sins. He rose from the dead. He rose from the dead. I had another friend go over to Israel this year and and, uh, looked in the tomb. Uh, Jesus wasn't there. Hallelujah. He didn't stay dead and he won't stay gone. He's coming back. And until he comes, we're going to serve him. Until he comes, we're going to do church right. Until he comes, we're going to act like it's true. And if you'll act like it's true, it'll be true for you. If you can act like the Bible's true, it'll come to pass for your life. And so we spend every week of the year helping people understand God so it can come to pass for your life. So we've got to take this from the historical truth, the historical stuff that we can acknowledge on a day of the calendar or uh, in memory we got to take that from, from historical all the way to what does it mean for me? All the way to life change. All the way to pertinent truth. What does it do for me today? Hallelujah. So God, help us see it today. Help people get close to you today. Show them something of you they didn't know today. And be good to them today in Jesus' name. He will. He always is. He is a good God. He's always good. He's never bad, and he's never both bad and good. Amen. He's only one person, and he's only good. Yes. Glory. Uh, I'm going to start with two scriptures today, and, and I'm not going to do a whole lot of teaching. I know we're just really waiting on the candy to drop. <laughs> if you will listen fast, it will drop sooner. No, no, no. It's going to take time for me to go to the helicopter thing and get in the helicopter and fly it. So just wait. But if you'll listen fast. No, I was just kidding. I was just kidding. Some people are like, oh, I'm not going to trust the pastor flying. Okay. I'm going to go to two scriptures, Romans chapter 13 and Ephesians chapter five. And I want to read this. And uh, I want to talk to you today about 
let's, what do we do now? Now that Jesus rose from the dead, now that it's all true, number one, you got to call on him and be saved. And what will happen is if you'll get saved and truly born again, you will awaken. Okay, and so the word today is awake. Awakened. History tells us there have been several great awakenings where masses of people came to God and woke up. Today is awakening day. Some of you are awake now. You had enough sugar. It's one of my favorite days of the year. Donut day. I mean, resurrect. I mean, <laughs> Romans chapter 13. Let me just read these two passages and then we'll continue. Romans 13, verse 11. He says, Knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. Yes. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. So he's talking to believers, but also, obviously, unbelievers. It's time to awake. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. So he's saying awake, and then he's given the contrary, which is just continue living sensually. Put on Jesus Christ instead of darkness. So you got to awake out of the darkness. Ephesians 5, verse 14. Ephesians 5, verse 14. He says, awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. What does that mean? Well, keep reading. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Don't be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. I hate to pick on the drinking today, but the opposite of drinking, the wine and the inebriation is the Holy Spirit. It's like, how in the world could somebody be happy on Sunday morning running around to church? Holy Ghost. Only the Holy Ghost. And what that should do for you is not just like, oh my gosh, I don't know what that is. You should say, wow, a substitute for alcohol? Yes. Joy from the Holy Ghost. Joy from the person of God who is invisible and lives in us and who comes upon us and then stuff happens. It's like, I don't know about those people with that Holy Ghost stuff. Come on, it was the plan of God to give you his spirit. And his spirit's totally different than the ways of the world. And once you get filled with his spirit, things change in your life. And so I want to talk to you today about what it means to be awoke, awakened. Uh, I assure you it's different than the woke of the world. When did people go to sleep? Well, we're all born asleep. Every human is born asleep under God. They might believe there is a God, but they're asleep unto the real person of God. And the sleepier the world is, the easier it is for the devil to ruin their lives. Or we could say, the sleepier we are, it's easy for the devil to wear us down. Or he wears us down so that we get sleepy to God. Kind of like, what do you do when kids are rambunctious and need to go to bed? You wear them down. 
You think about it all day. You wear the kids down so that they will go to sleep. The devil wears us down with worldly desires and pleasures and ungodly causes and pursuits and a way of thinking that's just totally contrary to God. Usually in the name of uh, allow everybody to sin as they please, which we do, God does, uh, or, or some worldly cause that deviates or distracts from anything of God's purpose. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Darkness is not a generational problem, okay? It's not that just this generation has become dark. Darkness has always existed. I know it existed in the 90s because I lived in it. How many of you lived in the 90s in the darkness and you came out of it into the light? And that's really what we're talking about. When you awaken, you awaken out of darkness. You open your eyelids and all of a sudden you see stuff. It's like, whoa, I didn't know. You see, well, number one, you see the mirror and you see how wrong you are. You see the dirt and the taint and the worldliness and the ungodliness and the sinfulness and the twistedness and the, man, I look kind of wanker-jawed, catty-whompered, <laughs> cockeyed, something. You wake up, you see the mirror, you see the world, you see people differently. And then all of a sudden you can see God and you can see his ways. And so I just want to run through a little list of what does it mean to be awakened? What's going to be different if I awake? Because you need to take this truth about Jesus and make sure you wake up. He's supposed to cause us to come to God and wake up. Yeah. Amen. <clears throat> Glory. And I'm not talking about conspiracy wokeism. Or the state of the union or American politics or government. Look, the, the, the naive uh, fantasy that government is good and incorrupt, that's long been over. So that's not the message. We already knew that. Even unsaved people know that. That is not the message. The message is to wake up to the righteousness of God. To know his son, Jesus Christ, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to walk in the light as he is in the light. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Receive him, awake, and Christ will give you light. I remember when I started getting light, it's like, wow, I didn't know that. 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 Wow, wow, wow. My life was changing. I was becoming a new person because I was learning truth and learning truth and learning truth that didn't come from TikTok. <clears throat> Hallelujah. All right, so uh, basically awaking means that you're ready and willing to give up your self-ruled life. So Frank, Frank Sinatra fans, no, you can't do it your way. Uh, modern songs, uh, this is not your house and you don't get to do what you want. Uh, this is my mouth and I will say what I want. No, that's not how we live when we're awakened. Now we bridle the tongue. We recognize what it means to be a, a God example, a Christ example in the earth. Number one, when Christ gives you light and you awake, it allows you to have faith in God. And what I mean by that is it's one thing to have general faith in God and come to Christ, be saved. Uh, that's first faith you need to be saved. You need to have faith that what you've heard today is true. How many of you affirm it's true? You can raise your hand to affirm it. You need to pray a prayer to affirm it. You need to say it out loud. And then you need to get dunked in water to affirm it. So raising a hand is not enough. We want to dunk you in the water. And after the candy drops today, we can dunk you in the water in your dress clothes if you'd prefer. 
We just dunk everybody that wants to get dunked. That Jesus said, get dunked. You need to affirm that. And once you do that, you'll start having faith in God. What it means is you awaken unto truth. And then when you go to church and you hear truth, when you read the Bible and you see truth, your faith can then awaken. Once you come alive to God, now you can truly have faith. And you have faith by learning. You have more faith by learning more. The more you learn, the more faith you have. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So if you thought you had faith but don't know anything in the Bible, you don't have faith. You, ha you like the idea of faith and you have a general faith and that's good, but you're supposed to go get some specific faith for your life. Because once you awaken, you can have some pretty good stuff in here. You can actually have joy and happiness as a Christian simply because you know God. You can tap into the peace of God and rest that allows you not to be anxious or worried at all any day of the week, any week of the year, for the rest of your life. If you know the truth, it'll set you free from worry and stress and anxiety without medication. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Hallelujah. If you awaken, you'll know God personally rather than just theoretically. Okay, that's a very real thing where he becomes a very real and close father that you can talk to and trust and actually hear back from. One of the reasons I'm, one of the reasons I'm even here in this life is because I found out that God would talk to people because I found out that I could have intimate discussion with God, not just me talking, but him talking back. You mean God talks to people? Yeah. If you can learn if you can get close enough to him by, by believing his word, all of a sudden, you can start hearing in your spirit him speak to you. Now, it does take some conditioning because you, you're not used to that. It's not going to be an audible, booming voice from heaven. It'll be something very spiritual that you've learned how to do because of your faith in God. Hallelujah. Uh, you'll learn what evil really is. And evil is not just murder and scary movies and vampire and zombie nonsense. Those are abominations, actually. Evil is, is, is pride, arrogancy, lying, the twisted way, heart that devises wicked imaginations, feet that are swift and running to mischief. Mischievousness is sinful. God hates it. Being inconsiderate of people. All these things are evil. You'll learn that when you come into the light. You'll learn that the unsaved people, those who don't know Jesus, you'll understand that they're dead on the inside and that's why they act as they do. So then you can start having mercy on the ungodly rather than anger. I said, once you awaken to God, you can start having mercy on ungodly people rather than anger. And if you want to get your anger back, just watch political news. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It's, it's hate and self-centeredness, selfishness, greediness. That's the nature of an unsaved person. And that's why people act so awkward, ornery, and mean. So you and I have to recognize that's the wrong nature. I have a new nature. My spirit man wants to live up unto God. Yes. And so you're able to resist those things for yourself 
And when people are doing it, you can have mercy on them like God had mercy on you. When you awaken, you realize that God is not your problem and that suffering is not his plan for your life. Good word. Okay, now some people have thought that all their suffering was a plan of God. Like he's planned the good and the bad. No, he's planned only the good. He did not plan bad things to happen for you. He'll, he'll help you out of bad things. He didn't plan them or cause them for you. So you need to know this. You awaken to the truth of God's word and you'll know that God's not the cause of your suffering. And then somebody says, yeah, well, he didn't cause it, but he, allow, he allows it. They say it very spiritual. They, they draw it out so that you know that this really means this theoretical truth here. No, it's not. Yes, God allows it, but not because he wants to, because he has to. This fallen world has all sorts of wrong things happening in it that God doesn't stop because he can't stop. He can't stop you from choosing wrong. He just can't. He gave you free will. He, he, he allowed you to have free will. He allowed humans to allow the devil into the earth. So there's a reason why suffering occurs, and it's never from God. God's on the, he's on the sideline cheering you on, ready to come in the game when you call on him to help you. But he can't just end the game yet. He is coming. He's going to, Jesus coming back. He is going to throw the devil into the lake of fire. But right now that hadn't happened yet. Death and hell get thrown into the lake of fire. So you got to know that suffering is not God's plan for you. And, and, and that, that means that sickness and disease is not from God. Sickness and disease is from the devil. Jesus came to the earth and proved it. He said, the Bible says that he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. The devil is the oppressor. So when somebody gets sick, don't think, God, how come you allowed this? It wasn't God. It was the devil trying to beat you up. Good word. When you awaken to the truth of God's word, you'll be okay with this. Yes. Some, some Christians are still struggling with it. They're still struggling with it. Primarily because of wrong teaching in the past, wrong pulpits saying that God caused the sickness to teach you a lesson, and other stuff that's not scriptural, or because they feel guilty for their sins and think, you know, it's probably, I probably deserve this. Listen, you don't have to nod, but I know you're thinking, yeah, I thought that before myself. Something goes wrong in your life and you think, well, you know, I hadn't been living right, so I guess that's why God did this. God didn't do that. Now, you not living right is a problem, but it's not God punishing you. In the Old Testament, you'll see a whole bunch of punishment for sin, and even in the form of sickness, or earth splitting open, or fire from heaven, or all sorts of things to punish people for sin, but that was before Jesus. You got to know the cross changed things. The big plan of God was to send his son to die for us, to pay the price for us, to be our substitutionary sacrifice so we don't have to be punished for our sins. He took our punishment so we don't have to be punished. So that's what handles sickness and disease now. So if you're a believer who has thought to yourself, you know, uh, God's probably had this for a reason and I guess I'll just try to pray and, uh, you know, just see maybe if he's in a good mood today, because I know I feel guilty anyway from my sin. You know, I'm a sinner, you know, and so I'm just probably paying for sin. If that's you, we need to remove that obstacle. Because if you can't remove that obstacle, your faith will not work and you won't get healed by God. 
no matter how many people pray. So I want to relieve you of that. That if you have a problem in your body or your mind and you've prayed and it didn't seem to work and you kind of wondered, well, I wonder if God wants to heal me. I wonder if this is his will. Is he doing this to test me to see if I'm strong? Does he want me to go to the hospital to witness to the doctor? Uh, is it so my family can see how a Christian goes through suffering? If you've had weird thoughts like that, those are not from God. They're not from the Bible. So I want to relieve you and tell you that if you have any problem in your body or your mind or anything that you feel oppressed by, Jesus will set you free today. Amen. Once you wake up, once you're awakened to God's truth concerning sickness and disease, you'll recognize Jesus changed everything. Some people say, yeah, but you know, Job, he's in the Bible and he suffered. Job was before Jesus. Job didn't have a savior. Job didn't have the name of Jesus. Job didn't have authority over the devil. Job didn't have the Holy Spirit. Job didn't have power over all the power of the enemy. Job didn't have forgiveness of sins. Job didn't have the Holy Ghost. Job didn't have the New Testament. Job didn't have the Old Testament. Job had nothing and we have everything. Some people say, well, you know, Paul, Paul had a thorn and God wouldn't remove it. His, his, you know, some sickness. It wasn't, Paul's thorn was not sickness, it was persecution. In the Bible, when you see the word thorns in your sides and pricks in your eyes, it's always referring to people who are bothering you. Paul had persecution people who were bothering him everywhere he went. There's answers from the Bible to explain all of the garbage teaching out there. And so we want you to learn all the truth so that you're awake. Remember when, remember when you found out that healing was from God and sickness was from the devil? You went, whoa, I didn't know that. Hallelujah. Glory to God. If, there, if there's somebody here, is there anybody here that now you're relieved, like you were wondering and now you know for sure? Anybody? That didn't help anybody? Okay. Okay, okay, one per glory to God, we got one. No, no. I know, y'all. But I wanna help you get healed today. Look, you can be healed. Just because you've now learned that for sure, just because you've learned it for sure, now you can be free. Like right now, you can be free. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Just close your eyes, and if you, if you had a pain or a, or a sickness or an infirmity or anything chronic or terminal or an oppression or a depression, just close your eyes and say, Jesus, I receive that. Jesus is my healer. Jesus is my healer. And I'm not condemned. And I'm not condemned. And punished. And punished. Thanks for your blood, Jesus. Thanks for your blood, Jesus. Amen. Look, that's all it really takes. That's all it really takes. Really, that's all it takes. Faith believes it and says is it. Amen. I had a power blip myself. All faith does is believe it and says it. You take care of the S's on your own. <laughs> and you can have that, that happen to you. And I'm just sitting here so that you can have it. Look, you just said it. When you say it, the power of God's touching you. Really, right now. Right now, some of you are, are being healed and delivered right now. 
the monkey on your back's jumped off right now. And I command it to stay off. Right now, pain. You'll, you'll notice when you get up in a minute. Come on, this is that simple. We're, all we're doing is pulling the power and the truth of the cross into to today. Today you're set free from sin, temptation, wrong thinking, today. Any demonic thing. Listen, when you wake up, you recognize that angels and demons are real. Still can't see them, but you know that they're real. And demons are the cause of all oppression. You feel oppressed, you feel worried, you feel kind of confused, you feel like stuff's just going wild, it's the devil. How do you handle it? Well, just say, in the name of Jesus, get out of here. Leave me alone. Don't play patty cake. Don't have a tea party with the devil. Don't talk too much. Don't read him a novel. With authority, you tell the devil what to do. Some people want to read the devil a poem. Sing the devil a song. Don't sing the devil a song. Sometimes we, sometimes we do sing and the devil's mentioned in it, but it's not to the devil. <clears throat> sometimes it's just singing truth can help you. Glory. Hallelujah. I got plenty of time before those crosses drop. When you wake up, you find that real compassion and love enters your heart. I mean, really, if you're saved, you should have experienced that, that feeling of, oh, wow, I actually care about people. Like, for real. Real love, the love of God, not, not just normal love. Like, everybody love their dog, love their cat, love monkeys, love aunt, the zoo, love food, love, I love cake. I, you can have love for lots of things, even a spouse, and not be saved. But that's why the spousal love disappears. Romantic love disappears after a certain amount of time. Six years, six months, disappears at some point. I'm sorry for you unmarried folks. <clears throat> sorry to burst the bubble. And then what you're left with is either a courthouse or agape. If you're saved, you can have agape love. It'll carry you through the end. Agape love helps you build a life with somebody, not just having romantic emotions for a while. The love of God comes in when you wake up to God. You can treat people differently. I'm talking about real God's love. Not just grandstanding love like, you know, I heart France, I stand, you know. Not just stuff that we, we say we're for. Not we're, we're standing up for a society group or something. That's just grandstanding. You're not even doing anything. You're just sitting at your computer. You're doing nothing. Talking about real love that changes you. Real love that causes you to treat people differently. Have mercy on people. Love toward people. Praise the Lord. When you wake up, you, 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 you learn and you realize that being humble doesn't mean that you never achieve or never have anything. Humble is a disposition of the heart that allows you to draw near to God. We've talked about being humble quite a bit lately. The opposite is pride. But if you're humble you'll feel close to God. If you're, if you're not, you won't feel close to God. You'll be prideful. Pride is where you say, you know what? I can do it my way. I don't really need too much of God. Oh, 
The humble is pliable and says, God, whatever you say, I want you. I need you. Some of you have gotten saved and you recognize, wow, I feel like I'm close to God. You should never want that to disappear. And you do it by staying pliable and humble and and listening to God's word and obeying God's word and, and making changes in your life. When you awaken unto God, you know, you want to make some changes in your life. You don't need to make changes before you awaken. Don't sit there thinking, how could I ever change my life? Just wake up. Just get out of bed. When you're in bed, you don't want to do anything, do you? Oh, I'm sorry, that doesn't make any sense. Praise the Lord. Look, when you get some light shining in your life, you you want to clean it up. Okay, you don't need to get clean before you come to Christ. But once you come to Christ and get saved, light shines, and then you're going to want to clean up your life. Didn't didn't you? Yeah, week one, like, oh, man, I got to stop this. Oh, wow, this doesn't seem like how a Christian would be. Oh, wow, I got to cut this out of my life and this out of my life. And you start learning and growing and walking, and and as as much light as you get is how much you want to change. The Word is a lamp unto your feet. So I can take a good step today and it's a light into my path so I can have a future, so I can have a plan, so I can see where I'm headed. The word of God will take care of now and later, but you got to walk in the light or you won't get more light. If you feel like you've been stuck in your Christian walk for a long time, it's because you did not live up to the light that you had. Like there's a glow around you and you're just standing still. When you get light, you're supposed to live it. Use your faith and say, okay, I know that that's the right thing, the right thing to believe, uh, the right prayer to pray, the right move to make, so I'm going to do it. And when you obey God, you're going to feel so wonderful for a day. You got to do another another tomorrow. Or at least for a week, you'll feel good if you obey God. But then next week, you have to obey him again. And every scripture I read, it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm walking in the light. When you wake up, it's fun to walk in the light. If you prefer to be asleep unto God and stay in the darkness, you won't clean up your life. Charles Spurgeon said that there'll be three effects of nearness to God. Nearness to Jesus. Three effects. Humility, happiness, and holiness. I always say this. If Jesus himself appeared to you today, and sat right there, you'd be happy. And you wouldn't sin. If Jesus sat with you in your car on the way home, you wouldn't sin, would you? You wouldn't say stupid things, would you? You probably wouldn't say anything. People think, oh, if I saw Jesus, oh, I just, no, no. You'd be too smart for that. His wonderful presence would cause your mouth to stop the garbage. And you'd be more interested in what he's saying. When we teach prayer, that's how we teach it. Don't just go in blabbing your mouth to the one who knows everything. He already knows what you're gonna say. Why don't you go in there and don't say anything? Let him just talk to you. But if Jesus were with you, you you wouldn't sin all day. If If he stayed with you all day, you wouldn't sin all day. If he stayed with you all week, you wouldn't sin all week. That's why most people don't sin while they're sitting in church. 
Right now you feel the goodness of God and the holiness of God and the joy. It's like, wow, 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 this seems wonderful. So stay in here all day, you won't sin. The more hours you can spend in church, the less sin you're going to do just by default. The opposite of being awake is to stay in the dark and just enjoy the pleasures of sin that the world's enjoying. You got to be careful of that. Hallelujah. Uh, One thing is that if you get awakened, you'll awaken to the church of Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about a building or a name or a cross on top with a steeple or something. I'm talking about the people. When you get saved and born again, you're supposed to awaken to the family of God. Like this, all this group here, this is the body of Christ. So like, how many of you love Jesus? When you say you love Jesus, you love his body. So you're supposed to be able to look across at all the people and think, wow, I love these people. Really, an awakened person looks across, wow, I love that person. I love that person. I love these people. These are my people. You're supposed to feel that because this is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. We are put together by him, for him. And without the body, you're really not close to him. People say that all the time. Well, I don't need church. I got Jesus. I got Jesus in my heart. Not really. I mean, you believe in him, you're not close to him. You're keeping him at a a distance. You don't have to believe that, but it's true. He said it. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then my father and I will come and make our abode with you. If you want a closeness to Jesus, you're going to have to do it his way. You're going to have to actually like church. You're going to actually have to like church a lot. You're going to have to like people. I love Jesus, but I don't know about people. Well, that's just because you haven't really awakened enough. Because if you awaken, you'll start feeling some love for people. If you'll obey what we've been teaching, pray in the Holy Spirit, pray in tongues, you'll start having great compassion for people. Start having some faith in God's word that the love of God is shed abroad. You got to have faith in God's word if you're going to love people. But they hurt me and they're hypocritical. Yeah, Jesus said, love them even more. Do good to them even more. Praise the Lord. You become aware of the church and, and, and in doing so, you might even, okay, here's one of my stories. I've told it even recently that before I was walking with God, now I was a believer when I was young. I had received Jesus at about five years old and grew up knowing he was in my heart and uh, having a conscience that was alive, knowing right from wrong. And, uh, and then for about 10 years, I departed to go play in the darkness. Don't do that. That's the dumbest thing you could ever do. But I did it. And during that time, church was nothing to me. I mean, it was just, it was not for me. I didn't, I didn't even think it, it was not important. It was, it was not even on the calendar. It was not even on the, in my recognition. I, I didn't even notice churches. I could drive a thousand miles, never see one church. I didn't recognize when I, growing up, there was uh, there was two churches across my street. One was a Baptist church, one was a Lutheran church. I didn't even know that. 
I thought it was just one big Baptist church. The only reason I knew it was Baptist church is that we used to play basketball, YMCA basketball, or not YMCA, Little League basketball in, in the Baptist church. So I knew it was Baptist church. But I thought both campuses were Baptist church. I had no idea because I never read the sign, never could care, I could, couldn't care less. And then when I gave my life back to the Lord, I woke up. I saw church there, church there. Wow, that's two churches. Church there, church there. What kind of church is that? What kind of church is that? I want to go in there. I want to go in there. I want to go in there. And I did. Every church I drove by, I wanted to go in it. And I did. I'd just go and knock on the door. If it was open, I'd go in. If nobody answered, I'd go around the back, try to sneak in. It's like, this is my people. God owns the church. I'm going in. I'm a Christian. These people are supposed to be Christian. I'm going in. I want to see who's in there. I want to go meet them. And then when I became a minister, I'm like, I'm going to go meet the pastor. I'm going to go meet every pastor, every church. I'm going to go meet the pastor. And I did all over my community, all over Texas, everywhere I went. Ooh, I'm going to go in there and see if I can meet the pastor. And I did. A lot of them looked at me funny, but I wanted them to know I'm a real Christian and I'm glad for what you're doing, sir. And then when we got married, my wife and I got married and I still was doing that. She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm going to go in and meet the pastor. No, you can't do that. I'm like, I want to do it. The assembly of, of God's people became alive to me. I, you're my people. I know what you've been through. I know what it took to give up your life to have Jesus. When it comes to preachers, I know what preachers have been through. I know what that type of commitment feels like and looks like. I want to meet you. I want you to know I'm in it with you and I'm proud of you and I, and I want to encourage you till the end. And our minister's fellowship, that's what I tell them all the time. Say, so you just keep up the great gospel work till the end. Just come on, treasure's coming later. Just right now, keep your head down, keep doing the works. Don't you dare quit. Same message for the Christian. Glory. Hallelujah. Well, there's a lot more to it, right? You wake up to all the truth of the Bible. You get a biblical worldview. You, you drop your cultural view. Secular perspective on the world. You got to put that aside. See what God says. And be more excited about what God says. You can still recycle if you want to. But you got to quit donating money to secular causes so much. Donate money to the kingdom. Because you woke up and realized this is more important. Yeah, but what if the earth destroyed? If you wake up to the Bible truth, you'll know the earth is not going to be destroyed by humans. The earth is going to remain and remain and remain and take care of itself until God kills a third of it with fire. That's a whole other thing. If you read the book of Revelation, if you understand some end times, you'll know that God has prepared this earth for only his dealing. Humans cannot kill this earth. That's why he made it so resilient. Isn't that right? You can go cut all, you can go dig up all the grass in that field, dirt. Within a month, it's all green again. It's like, oh my gosh. You who like to garden, you know what I'm talking about. You got to de-weed that thing so much that I guarantee your garden has weeds in it. 
because everything in the earth just keeps growing and replenishing and growing and replenishing. And even rivers get dirty and then they get clean again. And then oceans get dirty and then they just clean themselves again. And then they, 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 they pump all the oil out and then there's more oil. It just the way God built this earth is phenomenal. You got to have more confidence in the God of this earth than in the crazy scientists. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Awake to righteousness and do not sin. Be dead to sin, but alive to God. He who has died is freed from sin. Die to yourself. Die with Christ. Go under the water. Come up and be free from sin. If you're dead to self, you'll be freed from sin. If you quit worrying so much about self and how offended yourself is and how upset yourself is and how yourself didn't get your way, you'll stop sinning. If you'll quit that, you'll stop sinning. I mean, if you'll, if you'll realize you're dead, you'll stop sinning. If you'll let yourself just remain under that water. And I encourage you, if you haven't been baptized in water, when you do go underwater soon, leave that old dead man under there and come up free. Some of you need to get dunked 25 times. People say, should I get rebaptized? Not really, but for you, yeah, let's do it. Technically, you don't got to get rebaptized. But if it helps you leave that old junkie you somewhere else, then we'll help you. We'll even hold you under. How long you want to stay under? <laughs> Listen, some of these natural things have a spiritual connection because it's a step of faith. And then God says, Wow, I see your heart. I, I can see through the surface stuff, I can see that person's heart. That's what he's looking for. He's not looking for you to affirm a historical truth right now. He's looking for you to awake. And he's looking for you to say, okay, okay. I see it. And I'm going to keep this light on right now. And when I go home, I'm not going to turn the light off. I'm going to let Jesus keep shining on me. I'm going to let God's truth keep shining on me. I'm not just going to keep my little compartmentalized life. So I got my Sunday life right here and it can have some light, but the rest of the week, you know, I got all these friends and all these peers and all this stuff that I do and I just can't stop that stuff. You can. Amen. You can. Amen. Hang out with us for a little bit. Yes. Hang out with some sincere Christians for a little bit. You'll, you'll, they'll rub off on you better. If you try to keep your same old companions of the world, they'll dirty you up as fast as you get clean. You got to be real resilient if you're going to walk with Jesus. Isn't that what this is? This is about you getting resilient. You need the Holy Spirit for that. Go ahead and stand up to your feet. Let me have the music team up here. Listen, you need to make a commitment to Jesus and you need to be open to the Holy Spirit so you can have some power over this world. You need to let Jesus fill you with his spirit, give you some uh, tongues, give you some supernatural substance on the inside of you to help you overcome this life. John the Baptist said that. He said, I'm baptizing you with water, which you need to do. He said, but he that comes after me, Jesus, he's mightier than I. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. That's not natural fire. Don't be afraid. Holy Spirit and fire is a supernatural thing that happens to us so that we're empowered. Just like Jesus was empowered. The Holy Spirit fell upon Jesus like a dove, came upon Jesus like a dove, and he'll come upon you like a dove too so that you can have some power.
Your sins are paid for. Now God can come close to you and use you with power. Thank you for joining Pastors Chaz and Joni today from Houston Faith Church. If you're looking for a good home church in Houston, Texas, we'd like to invite you to be our guest anytime. What you'll find is that Houston Faith Church is highly committed to the Word of God, the love of God, and the Spirit-filled life and ministry that Jesus expects. We know that everyone wants to make a difference in this life, and that the Great Commission of the Lord Jesus Christ is the main thing for all of us. You'll find your purpose here and grow strong in faith at Houston Faith Church. Find more faith-building resources on our YouTube channel or subscribe to our free audio podcast. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. See you soon.